Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Episode 48. We are continuing our series about joy, and today we are looking at joy's opposite, fear. Hello, father. Hello, daughter. Um, it is official. When this episode releases, I will be graduated from seminary. Congratulations. We are very proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a master's in biblical studies. I know. And I was fun. I get to hang out with one of your uh, classes with you. Got to meet uh, some of your professors and through the years, and you've had a, a a good time here at Zasbury. I'm glad this has all worked out. Yes, it's a very, very bittersweet parting. I am, of course, very excited not to be trying to juggle full-time seminary with work and life and all the things, but also I'm going to miss it a lot. And the people here and uh, the learning environment and all of that. And so I have strategies for how I'm going to process this season because I feel like, you know, we talk about in capacity building and like weightlifting where you're just you know, you, you have to let your muscles rest in order to actually build the muscle. And I'm very much looking forward to building some rest in to my season. Yeah. And Well, it's one of the reasons we're talking about joy, right? Because one of the things we learned was that you have to be intentional about infusing joy into your life if you want the capacity to deal with everything else going on, right? And that's, that's been so revolutionary for yeah. our whole family. Well, and, and one of the things that that has just been impressed upon me lately is that there were a lot of things that I thought, oh, well, I have that skill. And then realizing... Well, yes, but it's like, you know, if I'm doing 15 pounds on my arms with, you know, weightlifting, well, it's time to move up to the 20. It's time to move up to the 25. You know, like there's I need to keep growing it and be intentional about growing that capacity. So I think we might actually talk about that later in this episode. No, I think <laughs> you're right, because there's a it's, it's such a good analogy because the whole idea is is growing our capacity to handle more and more stuff without getting triggered. Right. And because all of us reach the edge of our capacity now and then when you're tired, you just can't handle as much as when you're, you know, got a lot of energy. Uh, and there's a lot of things that go, that factor into how much emotional weight we can handle. Yes. So we really we're on the trail together, folks. Um, and hey, in honor of the release of the four habits of joy filled people, the new book my father wrote with Chris Corsi. We are talking about joy in a new summer series. So before we begin this discussion, I just want to remind everyone that we have a free tool for you that you can access today. It's never too late to grow your capacity to feel joy because your brain has the capacity to grow joy as long as you live, and it only takes 28 days to form a new habit. So Thrive Today and Deeper Walk have partnered to put together a 28-day joy challenge for you. You can sign up for free at fourhabits.org. When you sign up, you'll receive 28 days of simple joy exercises straight into your inbox. Plus, you can choose your favorite printable calendar for a physical reminder about each day's exercise. Take the 28 days to joy challenge and you can start at fourhabits.org. Well, my father, last episode, we talked about joy bonds. And we're going to just keep continuing talking about joy. But to this episode, we're going to look at the flip side. Um, there are two fuels our brains can run on, joy and fear. So we're going to be talking about the fear fuel today. Yeah, the fuel of fear. What, uh, there are a couple of things that uh, really 
grabbed a hold of my mental, you know, thought life on this. One was that joy is largely in the front of my brain and fear is largely in the back of the brain. And that it was a very, I like the visual that when I am um, running on the fuel of joy, then I stay in the front part of my brain. Well, the front part of my brain is where the command center of my brain is located that remembers who I am, how it's like me to act. And so when I can be in that part of my brain, not only do I live out of my joyful self, but I live out of my relational self and I live out of my true self. When I don't, when I don't you know, live from that part of my brain, I get stuck in the back. And when I get stuck in the back, that means I'm living out of fear. And when I live out of fear, then I am in problem solving mode and I treat people like problems to solve. Uh, and I will shut down relationally or blow up relationally, but I'm not my relational self. And this made so much sense because it was really frustrating as a pastor who's supposed to be modeling spiritual maturity for people, right? Here is, is how could I go from being the this kind of person who seemed to have it all together to completely falling apart, you know, and so quickly, what was going on that I would, you, you literally did feel like a different person and, and you get done with something and you're like, you regret it. And you're like, oh, who was that? You know, what, what was I, what was happening there? So the brain picture of, I had left the part of my brain that remembered who I was. I had lost access to that part of my brain and I was functioning at the back of my brain was just revolutionary for me. And it was like, it just made so much sense out of the whole mess. And I'm like, okay, I see what's going on. I'm, I have a hole in my maturity development. And when I fall into that hole, I turn into a different person. And I'm like, well, that, you know, didn't fix the problem. It gave me something to work on. So, and a completely different strategy for how to try to address those issues than I would have had without it. Yeah. As we were uh, talking about this series, um, I just kept hearing this famous quote from um, Dune, the the book Dune: "Fear is the mind killer." Um, that that works um, really well, actually. And I want you to talk more about the science um, of joy and fear. And I know you you have said that joy builds brain cells and fear destroys brain cells. And I think it was in the fear destroys brain cells part that I thought, yes, fear is the mind killer. Yes. But, um, <laughs> well, and it's a good, it is true at that level. And that, it, so one of the things I, that I learned from Dr. Wilder was that the, uh, you know, if I go to sleep in a state of anxiety, it's like cortisol is going to pump through my brain all night long and it's going to kill all the new growth. And so it really does destroy brain cells. And one of the things we want to do here is distinguish between fear and anxiety and then explain what a fear bond is versus what a joy bond is. So let me start with like the difference between fear and anxiety. So anxiety is belief-based. So anxiety comes when I am thinking about the problems in my life and imagining what could happen. And so beliefs that trigger anxiety almost always start with what if. Right. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? So I think of feeling like Peter stepping out of the boat into the storm and then he looks around and he starts going, well, wait a second. What's going on here? What if now I can uh, I can actually start to have anxiety thinking about what if I get caught in this situation? And so you think about the things that try to trigger it. It's when we're thinking about the future. And like, what if this relationship doesn't work? What if I never find a relationship? What if this finances don't come together? What if my finances are ruined? You know, what if, and what happens is the more often my brain goes down that pattern of the what if anxiety, then that becomes a habit. 
And so habits are formed in the brain as neurons connect together and form chains. So I think of this like every time I do something, it's like these neurons connect and form a chain. And the more often that I do it, the stronger that chain gets. And then that chain gets wrapped with white matter. And once that chain gets wrapped with white matter, I start doing things almost automatically, right? I start doing things as if it's like uh, uh, just, it's, that's why we call it a habit. It's now become an automatic reaction. I'm not thinking about it anymore. So that can happen with my thought life where I have literally trained myself to go in a negative direction in my thought life so much that I'm going to have to do something to break that. And what we found is the only way to break a bad habit is to build a new one. So I can't just say, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that. I actually have to build a new neuro highway, wrap that thing in white matter and build new habits and new patterns in my life. And that's why we're focusing on joy here because I would have thought that the opposite of anxiety was faith. But what I realized is that the part of me that exercises faith and that trusts God is the command center in the front part of my brain. (laughs) So in other words, to get to the part of myself that trusts God and to believe and to have faith, I've got to get to that relational center, which means I've got to find joy. I've got, and so that's why joy is actually the antidote to fear in at a more primal level than even faith. That's so fascinating on just so many levels. Like as you read the Bible and just look for all the places where joy will start popping out even more. And I love it. Um, can you explain what a fear bond is? Yeah. So a fear bond is where I have an attachment with somebody that is based on fear rather than joy. So this can look a lot of different ways, but I think of it this way that among friends, uh, you think about it going to school and there are some people, when you see them at school, you light up with energy and you're not choosing to do it. It's like, oh, it's them. I'm going to choose to light up with energy, right? There's just this automatic joy because you've seen that friend. Now, there are other people who walk up to you and you have a different reaction and it actually can suck the life out of you a little bit because you know that your problems are about to get bigger or that, or at least you believe your problems are about to get get bigger. And so you can even picture this like when your cell phone lights up, there are some names that pop up on the screen and it's like, yay. And there's others that pop up and you go, and part of you just sort of, you know, goes down. So when I get in a, a fear bond with somebody, what happens is, I I don't believe they are going to be happy to see me or I don't think they're going to be able happy to see me unless right and that is unless I act a certain way unless I wear a mask unless I pretend to be a certain way in other words I'm going to have to manage this person I can't just relate to them and be myself around them they're going to have to be managed and so a fear bond always leads me to want to manage people so what happens is if you find that you're managing everybody in your life it means that your brain has just learned to fear bond to everybody. And uh, one of the things we look at is how do we begin to transform these fear bonds into joy bonds? Yeah, well, and and that pattern of fear bonding leads to fear mapping. And do you want to talk more about that and maybe how your brain is like an amplifier? Yeah, so if I'm fear uh, bonded with a lot of people, then what happens is my brain learns, oh, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for things to be afraid of. And since my brain is a natural amplifier, it learns uh, it learns very quickly what it is that you look for most naturally. And it says, okay, I can find that for you. And so if your brain learns, we're supposed to look for things that make us afraid, it'll get really good at finding things that make you afraid. And uh, But if your brain learns, we're supposed to look for things that we can be 
grateful for and appreciate, then your brain will learn that. Oh, yeah, well, I can find those things too. And the story it always reminds me of, I have a friend who uh, years ago uh, sold tractors. And he said when he uh, started selling tractors, the thing that amazed him the most was how many tractors he started to notice that he had driven by this places all of the time and never, never even noticed them before. But now that tractors was his business, his brain began to amplify it and he started noticing tractors everywhere. Right. So you've probably had experience like that before, you know, it's like, yeah, or even just like, Oh, we, we have a, a new car and it's this color. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing that color car everywhere. We, we don't actually get new cars. We get used cars. Yeah. So it's not like it's just the new thing on the market. It's that, you know, no, exactly. And so what happens then is your brain is learning what it's supposed to amplify, right? Mm-hmm. And that is amplify means what is it supposed to make big? What is it supposed to bring into focus for you? And so if I have, uh, developed fear bonds as the habit in my life, then my brain has learned I need to fear map the world. And that means mapping the world means I am scanning it for what there is to fear. And if I am scanning my environment constantly for what there is to fear, I'm going to find it. And if I don't see it right away, then my anxiety will kick in and I'm going, yeah, well, I can imagine it being here and I can imagine it coming there and I'm just waiting for the other sh- shoe to drop and all these other things. And that, that, uh, is now coming. Before I know it, I'm now living in a very dark place internally that can be very difficult to get out of because you can't just choose your way out of that sometimes. So, And the good news is you can also joy with your joy bonds. You can have joy mapping and appreciation mapping. Um, and it's also not an all or nothing experience. Uh, our capacity affects this, our attachments affect this. Um, can you talk more about how fear and joy bonds, maybe from the angle of the window of tolerance? Yeah. So Daniel Siegel is uh, one of the neuroscientists that uh, informed the life model development, talks about the window of tolerance. And what he means by that is that there is a how much emotional weight can I tolerate before things start falling apart? And so when I talk about emotional capacity, Window of tolerance is the same thing. So window of tolerance is how much weight can I, uh, emotional weight can I handle before I am outside of that window? And if I get outside of that window, that's when things start shutting down, things start blowing up, I start melting down, bad things start happening, I turn into a different person, all those bad things happen when I get outside that window. So maturity can be thought of as the process of growing the size of my window of tolerance so that I can handle more and more emotional weight. So when you go 15 pounds to 20 pounds to 25 pounds, right, you are doing the same thing. You're trying to grow that capacity. The other thing you're trying to do is develop the skills that allow you to get back, you know, once you've gotten outside of that. So there are some skills, like let me give you examples of things that, um, you know, are, are, seem obvious once you hear them, but at first I didn't even think about them. And that is, it's one of the reasons why we need to take a break now and then. You know, it's one of the reasons why we need a breather. We can't just keep plowing on and plowing on and plowing on. At some point, we got to take breaks. And one of the reasons is if we don't, then we're going to find ourselves just constantly living outside of that window of tolerance. And if you're constantly living on the edge of your emotional capacity, or constantly living just beyond the edge of your emotional capacity, you're going to be constantly in a state of emotional upset. And when you're right on the edge like that, it just doesn't take as much to blow up at people. It doesn't take as much to 
you know, melt down in tears. It doesn't take as much to, you know, get stuck in anxiety and fear because I am keeping myself on the edge of my capacity all of the time. So one of the things we do have to do is not only do we have to grow that emotional capacity, we also have to learn when to take breaks, right? And give ourselves And it's so biblical. Yeah. It's so biblical. I mean- Something like Sabbath. I don't know. Yeah. Something like (laughs) Sabbath, something like, you know, don't don't cut the corners of your fields and, and, you know, like giving the land time to rest and- um, all you know, all of the different holidays and festivals, and yes, and again, Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, and I think that sometimes we miss that rest biblically is actually an act of worship, because when I rest, what I'm doing is I am saying with my actions, I'm trusting God to take care of me. I don't have to do everything, and that's huge, right? Because all of us have that temptation. If I don't trust God, then it's all on me. And I can't afford to rest because it's all on me. And so there is something to this idea of establishing a rhythm right, in our lives. And so we talk about knowing when to take a break, knowing when to, uh, how to have a, this kind of a rhythm that allows me to keep going. So it's like we tell the staff at Deeper Walk all the time. It's like we want you to have a rhythm because we want you here for a long time. We don't want to just, you know, chew you up and spit you out and burn you out fast, right? We want we want people to want to work here and to find a rhythm that they can maintain for a long time. Mm-hmm. So before we have our closing thoughts, I have another question that I want to make sure we get to. And that is just, you have a subheading in the Four Habits of Joy-Filled People that I love. Uh, you talk about tearing down the house of fear. And yeah, I just love that imagery. Could you talk more? About that imagery? So in our new book, uh, The Four Habits of Joy-Filled People, the core image that Chris and I use is that that we all have an inner world. And in our inner world, you could think of it as like the house in which I live. And that's either going to be a fear house or a joy house or some kind of a hybrid in between, right? But to the extent that that is a fear house, I'm not going to want to spend much time there. And so you start to think about it. It's like, if I have a fear house in my inner world, then I'm probably going to develop a pretty avoidant lifestyle. I'm not going to want to be alone with my thoughts. I'm not going to want to be alone with myself. I'm not going to want quiet. I'm not going to want peace. I got to keep myself distracted. I got to keep myself busy. I got to keep things coming in because if I'm alone with myself, I'm stuck here in this house of fear. Well, who wants that, right? And so one of the things that we find is that a lot of people with their their house of fear have never learned to rest and they have never learned to be quiet or how to turn off the noise and to detach from things. And that's why it, it can be a skill and it can become a habit that we have to learn uh, to try to um, you know cope with that. So what we, we want instead is in our inner world to have a joy house. And that is to tear down that fear house and to build a joy house which is a place that we like being. And when that's the case, then we can develop much less avoidant lifestyles and learn to quiet and be at peace much more readily. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's our goal as we're exploring this on the trail. We are <laughs> going to be tearing down some houses of fear and building up some houses of joy. I'm excited for it. So as we come up to the end of this episode, uh, and before we get dad's final thoughts, I just want to remind you to check out the free joy building tool at fourhabits.org. And I hope you have so much fun using it to build your joy capacity. So mi papa, any final thoughts for this episode? 
Well, me, uh, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, as I think about this, there's so many different directions it goes to. But one of the reasons is personal is for most of my life, I didn't think I had any issues. Right? I thought I was about as normal as a person as a normal person could be. And I, and then what happened is as I got into parenting and then I got into leadership and then I got it, I started adding more and more weight to my life. It's like, I got to handle the weight from all the expectations at church, got to handle the weight of all the expectations. And what happens is as you start adding more and more weight, your margin gets thinner and thinner and thinner. And I started developing anxiety and I had never been an anxious person. And so now I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And what I realized was I just maxed out my capacity. I'd maxed it out and I didn't realize what was going on. And I needed to kind of reinvent my approach to life. You know, it wasn't just about taking thoughts captive. That was part of it. Yeah, there's going to be a whole new approach to life that I was going to have to come to understand. And so that's part of what I wanted to share with folks. Huzzah. We're going to do it together. It'll be epic. It'll be epic. (laughs) Uh, Beautiful. All righty then. Thanks for joining us on the trail today. Deeper Walk International is a nonprofit organization, and we partner with people like you in order to do what we do. Some are on the trail with us as official trailblazers who commit to donating $25 or more per month. We invite you to consider becoming a trailblazer You can do this very simply by visiting our website, deeperwalkinternational.org slash trailblazers. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the On the Trail podcast, leave a review and share with your friends. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.